Well, everyone, welcome back to Ranking Thrones. I'm Bradley Cooper. And I am Curtis Cooper. And we got some unfortunate news to start off the episode. We lost the last episode. Yes, unfortunately, we were locked out of the Zoom account, which is fine. Unfortunately, the episode was tied to that. So, just so, just to let everyone know, we're just going to give like a quick like recap on that episode, which was the Ghost of Hall. So what happens is Rinley gets assassinated, and then there's a lot of stuff that happens. Uh, Arya meets up with the ghost of Hall, and he says, uh, a girl can have a name. Because, you know, she helps him, and he's like, I'll kill three people for you. So she, so she does that, and then Loris and Marjorie are out of the camp, because obviously Rinley's dead, and they don't want to team up with Stannis. And then uh, Tyrion is just being clever, and he, he goes to meet the pyromancer who finds all the dragon fire. <laughs> and he was funny. Yep. And then Theon is getting his ship, and no one respects him. But then uh, his friend, his new friend Dagmar is like, well, I mean, if you want to respect you, you gotta, you know, show that you're a real man. And he's like, okay, I have a plan. <laughs> and then... Oh, and in Florida, Danny's just kind of wandering around. <laughs> <laughs> Going to parties. Yeah, and she meets she meets a warlock who invites her to the house of the undying. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah, the kind of the episode. And yeah. you know it, it, it honestly like it was a pretty good episode. Like I'm I might I don't mean to sell it short, because there are some really cool things that happen. Yeah, but, like the Renly stuff is obviously shocking. Yeah. And that's the first king to go down. So that that kind of shows you, and that's one thing I that this that the kings are going to drop like flies. And that's one thing I like about Game of Thrones is Game of Thrones is a uniquely like stressful show to watch, and I mean that in a good way because you don't yeah. really know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like every sword swing in the early seasons like makes you feel like it's going to take out a main character. Yeah, like. And and even you even feel that with a rewatch, it's like, oh, what's going to happen? Even though you know mm-hmm. what's going to happen, but so. But now we are talking about season two, episode six, the old gods and the new. The old gods and the new. All right, so let's kick off this plot machine with Winterfell. Ooh, cool stuff so, happens there. Theon has begun his attack, and he has taken the castle. And uh, interesting that they don't really show any fighting. It's just more of like, nah, it's already happened by the time the episode starts. And I feel like that's fair because, like, I don't feel like a battle would be that interesting. No. And to be fair, this is still, like, this is still season two, so they didn't have the budget of the latest. Yeah, they didn't have, like, a crazy budget. Um, But we kind of see that the Meister is kind of, like, playing both sides or, like, doing the best he can to, like, keep things chill. Mm-hmm. Um. And obviously, um, Bran, or Bran, we're going to do that about a thousand more times. Bran, Bran. Um, Bran decides to cede his throne because he doesn't want his people to die, which is a noble, starkly thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they bring Sir Roderick in, and this is kind of, if the point of no return didn't already happen, it definitely happened here, where uh, he spits in Theon's face, and then... The one guy's just like, he's got to pay the iron price. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, the price. And, and then Theon's like, mm. and, <laughs> uh, 
And then he uh, takes, and then he takes his sword out, and it's probably the mo- the wimpiest beheading you've probably ever seen. Yeah, he just keeps on missing, keeps on swinging. It's like, uh, uh, uh. And I think, and then he just, think, like kicks his head off. I think that's supposed to be like intentional because it's supposed to yeah. show like he's not really a Stark or a Greyjoy. Because if he was a Stark, he could just take the head off with one swing. And he's not really a Greyjoy because he's not really he doesn't really want to do it. It's, he's kind of yeah. feels like he has to. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, he kills Sir Roderick. Then later on in Winterfell, Asha offers something to be off. In exchange for freedom. <laughs> oh, Theon. Theon is and, such just a frat boy. <laughs> yep, yep. Theon is an absolute goon and accepts. And um one thing I will mention, and we'll get to this and we'll transition to this in a while, but like it was really I was not expecting the transition of like you see Asha with her scar, and then it transitions to uh Sansa with her scar. And we do like a quick scene in winter and uh in King's Landing, then we come right back to Winterfell. That was an interesting choice. That's cool. Because it's like, oh yeah, like Asha's like trained and like she does not care. And like she'll do whatever it takes, where like Sansa's more like being continuously victimized. Yeah, that's an interesting point. All right, so she does that and then um, she ultimately does this to get Bran and Hodor out of there. Now, is Rickon with them? Yeah, Rickon's with them. He's kind of following okay. along. That's right. I didn't immediately like see him, but uh, I do. I do vaguely remember him being there for like the next little bit of their story. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, so let's go north of the wall. Oh yeah. So now, now this. Brad, this is that good shit. Yeah. You know what I like about North of the Wall is even though you think, oh, it's going to be boring, they're just going to be cold in the snow, it's like, no, like, the stuff that happens North of the Wall is interesting. I could listen to these crusty old crows talk about shit for forever. Yeah. Like, freaking Halfhand, what a cool character. Yeah. We well, like, just tell him John. Because, like, he first, like, is just, they're marching through and, like, he's giving John some advice about, like, this is what you really fought for. And then at the end, he's just like, nah, I'm just fucking with you. This is what we, this is what we just talk about to keep warm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this guy. But you know, he believes at least a little bit of it or else he wouldn't be out here. Exactly. Um. So, and then they get attacked by some wildling goons. <laughs> and one of them is a girl. Ygritte. And so the wildlings we find out are going to march on the wall and there's hundreds and thousands of them. Yep. Which is a spicy nug. We'll save for later. Um, but John is left behind to execute Egret and he ends up not going through with it because he's a good person. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, well, I'm out of here. So she, he chases her for a while and then they get lost. <laughs> and man, I'm sure you'll talk about it in the characters, but uh, the the night they spend together is very spicy. Yeah. These two, like, obviously the, the fact the actors get married shows that this is real chemistry, but they have, like, Instant they have chemistry. the most chemistry of, the best chemistry of any characters in the show. Yeah. it's Yeah. Especially romantic chemistry. hmm Save for maybe Jamie and Cersei. <laughs> <laughs> the things I drew for love. <laughs> 
keep it in the family. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking, it's kind of interesting. The the only characters that have, like, a romance that kind of have, like, I wouldn't, it's not a happy ending, but they at least have an ending together as Jamie and Cersei in this damn show. Yeah. Yeah. That like, is that is poetic to the, to the GOT. Yeah. All right. Let's head to Harrenhal. Ooh, stuff happened. <laughs> And Tywin's just like, does anybody know how to read? <laughs> I forgot. I forgot this this moment. And and basically, all these idiots are just sitting there going, <laughs> like, I feel I we definitely talked about this last time, but uh, this episode is up in dust, so we'll say it again. Tywin, I feel like his biggest problem as a leader is he surrounds himself. By goonish yes men. Yeah. If he surrounded himself with actual smart people, he would probably be the most dangerous leader in the show. Yeah. And I think another problem is that he's so intimidating that he doesn't really have anyone who can tell him, like, good advice. Yeah. 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 He needs, because, like, if him and Tyrion actually, like, got along, they'd be kind of unstoppable because, like, they kind of fulfill each other's weaknesses. Mm hmm. Yeah. All right, so uh, then Littlefinger rolls up in his little car, <laughs> and he's like, "And he's like, why hello?" <laughs> and he brings news of dark forces. <laughs> I love how Tywin's just like, "Nah, didn't happen. Didn't happen. Fake news. Fake news." And uh, he basically wants to bring the Tyrells into the fold, and he wants to serve as the liaison between the Lannisters and the Tyrells. Which is interesting. He's always wheeling and dealing. Yeah. And then Tywin Tywin tells a really like sad but also kind of funny story about him forcing Jamie uh to read. Well, and love- uh how Jamie is clearly dyslexic and he's just like, I just sat him there for four hours and said you can't get up until you read. <laughs> I love just how much of a terrible father he is, but he just like <laughs> randomly will tell these stories I'm like my shit son couldn't read. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe in dyslexia. That's for triggered liberals. <laughs> like, okay, the the cadence of his voice, as he said, and the maester said, it was irreversible. Is like the same tone that like a boomer dad gets when they say yep. your son has like I don't know autism or something. Yeah, yep, yep. He definitely had that super conservative dad vibes. Um, and then we get some really spicy details where Tywin talks a little bit about his father mm. and uh, he describes his father as Jimmy Carter yeah he does where he's like, where he's like he, he loved us but he was weak <laughs> <laughs> you know to talk a little about his character that's one interesting thing about Tywin is that Tywin doesn't really have an excuse of like having bad parents no he had no. like he had a kind dad it was just that the rest of the realm didn't respect that yeah and so like he was kind of like corrupted by his surroundings as opposed to like his nurture. Yeah. All right. So um, then Arya gets some piping hot intel that she intends to uh, get to Rob somehow, but she gets found out immediately, and this guy's chasing her, and then she finds a man again, <laughs> and uh, she puts a hit on him, hit out on him, and as the guy's walking towards Tywin, he gets darted, and I'm like, oh, that's yeah. fucked. A little yeah. cartoonish, but it's fucked. Yeah, that was probably the most, like, Hollywood-esque scene we've seen in Game of Thrones yeah. in a while. You know, it was, a, it was yeah. still, you know, you need a little, you need a little stuff like that. Yeah, a little levity. Yeah. 
And God, do we need levity because we are going to King's Landing next. Oh boy. All right. So, um, first scene is we see Cersei promising vengeance to Tyrion as Marcella is sent off mm-hmm. to Dorne. And, like, it's wild because when we were back, like, and um, Tyrion was kind of like wheeling and dealing all these schemes and, like, telling all these people different things. I didn't realize that he was actually telling the truth about one of them. Like, yeah. I remember her getting sold to Dorne, but I thought that happened a little bit later. I didn't realize he was actually, there was a kernel of truth when he was telling all of the all of the, the throne makers and everything. Yeah, that was an interesting scene. Um, so then, as they're walking back, Joffrey meets the people. <laughs> the people. And the people are just like, let's start a riot! <laughs> And so some terrible stuff ensues. And, um, okay, an interesting nugget that uh, the creators were talking about after the episode ended was um, for someone with a little, just a little bit more self-reflection, this would have caused him to kind of like look inward and see like, okay, like what am I doing wrong? Why do people hate me? But instead, this will make Joffrey a worse person because he just digs in and digs in and digs in. Yeah, And like yeah. Tyrion, Tyrion mentions this when he's like, well, we've had a lot of cruel kings. Well, we've had a lot of vicious kings. We've had a lot of idiot kings. But I, I think this is the first time we've ever had an a vicious idiot for a king. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like he's so like, I think he's so sociopathic and narcissistic that he just cannot look inward at all or see any yeah. criticism at all. Mm-hmm. And so Tyrion proceeds to smack the living hell out of Joffrey, and everybody cheered. Yep, yep. You gotta give it to the actor who played him. Like, no one convincingly played a little shit like he did. Like, (laughs) yep, yep. He he played the role perfectly. Absolute perfection. So then Sansa is getting hunted down and she's about to be sexually assaulted by a bunch of mobsters. Mm -hmm. And then the hound saves her. Ah, yes. And, um,. I love the Hound, man. Like he's so good. For some reason, I remember like having to like have him grow on me the first time I watched yeah. the show. But like, he's kind of just good from the beginning. Yeah, I think it was just because of the fact that he like participated and helped like kill like uh, Eddard Ned's men. You were yeah. like, okay, this guy's yeah, yeah, and the bad fact guy. that he just serves the quote unquote bad guys. Yeah, yeah, I definitely really like him more on a second watch. There, yeah, definitely. Um, so then, uh, the last scene that we kind of see that's, that's, uh, spliced into the Asha stuff is, uh, Sansa talking to Shay about how she doesn't understand the people's hatred for her. Mm-hmm. And this is also interesting because it's the first time she openly admits to hating Joffrey. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a cool scene because it shows how, even though, like, obviously Sansa is suffering, that the common people, she's just another, like, oppressor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, she is complicit in that system. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, let's uh, uh, let's hop uh, in the SUV. We're going to Florida. Oh, we have to go to Florida again. I don't <laughs> want to talk to the Spice Man. We're going to visit the Spice King. Oh. <laughs> Wait, I... as, soon as, as soon as they this scene starts, and they're like. We gotta go see the Spice King. I'm like, this is the stupidest shit I've ever seen in my life. Like, and I'm the, like, who you gonna, who do you gonna go visit next? The Tiger King? 
It's like, oh, I visited the Copper King. I visited the Cloth King. Like, Brad, please tell me this is cooler in the books. Like, it's definitely, like, I think because it's not being represented on scene, it's more interesting because it's, it's not as goofy as in, in the books. Gotcha. And there's a lot more, like, mystical elements because, like, yeah. She Danny is a lot more like she comes across a little bit more like crazy in the show than she does in the books. Mm-hmm. She's much more like introspective, whereas in the show she just kind of like I have a destiny. I walked through the fire. <laughs> oh man, that whole scene, that whole like line, just I was just cringing the whole time. Yeah, like she's uh, just like is... I win it with fire and blood. Uh, like there's there's so little that happens in Essos. Like it's so, yeah. even like the big stuff. It's just like okay. Like I feel like all of this could have been accomplished in like half the time that mm. they've actually spent just like hanging out in Essos. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Danny wants ships. Nothing new. And then she like tells the the Spice King. She's like, my dreams come true. <laughs> and like, honestly, like. <laughs> obviously they play up the Spice King to be like an ass of a character but like who would give her ships who would be dumb enough to give this screaming person ships yeah exactly like no one's like, she has that. nothing mm-hmm. she has nothing to back this up yep um, and also I swear if um freaking um oh what's it, what's his name that, like one yeah, if Zaro mentions being the richest man in Karth one more time, <laughs> he says it in every scene he's in. Not every episode, every scene. <laughs> That's true. He's just like, he has two things. He's walking around with his hands full and be like, you know I'm the richest man in Karth. You know my family came from nothing. He talks <laughs> like, like I, a I Republican used, politician to... who's stuck on a loop. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's, he's like, I, I used to live in the shipyard. You know what he is? Okay, and I don't mean this as, like, a racial thing. He's the Ben Carson of this show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, all he says is, like, you know, I was poor, but now I'm rich. Yep, pretty much. Yeah. Um, Let's see. And then um, a bunch of her friends get killed. But, like, the only ones we've been, like, actively told that we should root for are her and uh, Jorah. Yeah. And Jorah's not anywhere to be seen in this episode. I don't know what he's doing. Yeah. What's Jorah doing? And also, it seemed like there are way more dead bodies than people she actually had with her. Yeah, it did feel like it, it did feel that way. Yeah. And I also, I also love, I also love the mental image of this freaking stupid lizardy magic dude just coming in and shooting laser beams at them all. He's just like <laughs> pew 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 pew. <laughs> And I love the scene of him, the guy carrying away the dragons. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's he just looks, one guy. He looks like a Dark Souls character. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's what's happening in Florida. Um, now let's 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 end on Rob's front, the yeah. Riverlands. Somehow more interesting than Florida. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, we get to know a little bit more about Talisa and Rob's. Uh, blooming relationship, mm-hmm. and I love that the first thing he says to her is like, "You are of noble birth. I can feel it." <laughs> <laughs> I love how uh, like all the Stark boys, like they just have like a 
their Riz is a special type of Riz. It's just a goofy <laughs> type of Riz. Yep, yep, yep. They've got they they got that Cooper Riz. Yeah, they've got their cute and dopey is the best way to describe yep, them. Yep, yep, yep. And so uh, he just straight up asks her out, and she's just like, mm, I don't know. And then Cat immediately comes in and just stomps on Rob's poor nuts. Yeah. Like, oh, hey, and, mom. And she's like, yeah, you know you're betrothed to um, a fray, right? And he's just like, uh, you know, you know, you know. <laughs> you know, that's just how things be. <laughs> and um, this is, it's at this time that we that Rob learns of Theon's betrayal. And he's mm-hmm. like, well, I got to go back there because I got to protect my own castle. And then probably the most probably the most consequential conversation that I forgot happened. And like, yeah. cause like I remember for me, like I never read the books. I was watching the show and to me, like the, and I benched it. So like that gave me a different perspective and like, it was hard to keep track of a lot of little details, but mm-hmm. to me, like I was like, all right, who's who, who's this. Yeah. And when um, all of the reek stuff happens in the beginning, I'm like, who is this guy? Who is, who's Ramsey? Yeah. But no, but no, like uh yeah, like um uh, Roos kinda spells it all out. He's like, All right, I have a bastard. He's hanging out at the dread fort. That is the coolest name for a fort that you can have. The oh, dread yeah. fort. Super cool. <laughs> totally a place that uh that Ramsey would hang out to. Um so yeah, um he's gonna have the bastard go and take back Winterfell for the Starks. Sure. One thing I like is that Roos is such an understated character that you probably wouldn't even pick up that he's going to become major later. Because he kind of just oh, yeah, shows no. up and is just like, yeah, yeah, I'm just talking. Yeah, I had, I yeah, obviously I had no idea. Like, I had no idea what the Red Wedding would be, even up to, like, the wedding. Yeah. So, with that being said, let's talk a little bit about the characters. So... Uh, we'll start with Florida because there's not really a whole lot to say. So Danny is just like, she just acts like her usual self. Like she's very like entitled. She's very like kind of wild and a little bit like, I have a dream and I, I stepped through fire. And like, and then she says the line to the Spice King, I will take what is mine with fire and blood. I will take it. And like, okay, I can see why when you're first watching it, like, oh, that's kind of cool. But I can also kind of see how it's it's kind of like saying the seed of like, oh, she might not be like totally right in the head. Yeah, you know, like, I think the biggest thing that shocks me so far about watching Game of Thrones is that like, do they plant the seeds of what she becomes later on more than I thought? Yes, but her character is progressively getting worse. The more I think about it and the more scenes I watch her in. Yeah, yeah. And she clearly it's like, like oh maybe maybe her character was just a little eh the whole time. Yeah, like she very clearly takes her destiny very seriously. And in the book she's definitely more like there's that element, but she's more like subtle about it, where the show kind of But yeah, the SO stuff, like the characters aren't very good, the characters aren't very believable, they all kind of act like stereotypes. Like Zaro acts like a stereotype. 
And like, I'm mean, also, okay, can I go back to the race thing? Like, it feels like they're playing up the fact that like, oh, you know, he's a self-made man, you know, he, he's, you know, he's black. So he, he made it in the hard, you know, he, he, he rose above his station or whatever. It kind of feels like they're playing on that element a little bit. Yeah. Did you notice that? Yeah. Yeah. It, it did seem like they were playing on that a little bit more. Yeah. Which I thought, I mean, it could be, it could have been interesting if it was handled better, but they just, they just don't handle any of the characters in Essos with any respect or any, like, uh, any, like, nuance at all. <laughs> They're all just walking stereotypes. <laughs> Which, you know, isn't very cool. And so, well, let's move on past Florida. Let's talk about King's yeah. Landing, some stuff we learned. So Cersei, um, there's a so as she's watching her dar go away, she's just stone faced, which I forgot. She doesn't cry at all, and then she tells Tyrion, "I hope you love someone one day, and then I take her away from you." And then like Joffrey is reacting to it, and Joffrey just insults his little brother Tommen for crying, and Sansa's like, "Uh, you know that's normal, right?" He's like, "What are you talking about?" And yeah, it's, it's like, yeah. There's just so much, like, there's just such a lack of awareness. Yeah. And I, I was actually thinking about this scene. I'm like, what if he kind of learned that from his mother? Because if his mother doesn't show, like, any emotion in that way, like, she doesn't cry at all. And if he takes his cues from her, that could explain some of his behavior. Yeah, yeah, it could. Yeah. It's like, it's it's so interesting to see, like, is Cersei as much of a sociopath as her son, just in a different way? Yeah, I think she's just in a different way. And like, where she, she like, cares about some people, but Joffrey cares about no one. So, when, when the big riot happens, I thought it was interesting that Joffrey goes straight into, like, kill them all. And he's like, and like you said, he's so unaware. It's like, you are surrounded by an angry mob and you have only have a few guys. They will rip you to shreds if they get a hold of you. And I'll... Yeah, like, it, and this it this scene is very like it <laughs> reminds me a lot of the Blackwater scenes, mm-hmm. where like it's just like Tyrion being like, "You have no idea what you're doing." Like, here, let me like take charge. Yeah, and I noticed. So I think someone pointed this out in like a YouTube comment how the Hound instantly like kind of grabs hold of Joffrey by the neck and holds him like that because he just knows someone could slip through and slit Joffrey's throat. So that's what he kind of does to kind of keep him safe. And I like how, like, even... The, I, I like how the Hound went out without orders. He just went out searching for Sansa on his own. Like, he realized it himself and just did that without Tyrion telling him what to do. Or at least that's that's how I... Did, did yeah, Tyrion tell him something? Or? That's at least what I got from the from the show. Like, he never he never said anything to the Hound. He was just yeah. like, somebody's got to go find her. But I feel like the Hound was, our, was still out there. Yeah. And I, I like how when Tyrion is reacting to all the stuff going on, because he can tell bad stuff's about to go down. And he's talking with Joffrey, and he says, we need to find Sansa. And Joffrey's like, I don't care. Let them have her. And then he says the line, if Sansa dies, you'll never get your Uncle Jamie back. And then he's so frustrated, he throws in the line, you owe him quite a bit, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I love how, like, Joffrey is, like, clueless over the fact, like, again, he's clueless. Like, if he thought about it for two seconds, he's like, wait, I'm blonde. My uncle and my mom are both blonde. People say we're the product of incest. That's probably true. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't take a rocket scientist. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting how Sansa, she's also unaware. She hasn't realized that the common folk wouldn't like her. But 
she's at least capable of learning from it. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about the North, because I think there's some things that get revealed about Theon. So I like when Theon, like, storms into Bran's room. That scene, I forgot how, like, weird that scene is, because it's still, you're used to seeing Theon with them, and yeah, there's yeah. some, like, tension, but there's still kind of that, like, uh, what there's are you some doing, familial Theon? energy. Yeah. yeah, it's like, yeah, what are you doing, Theon? And he's like, he tries to, like, puff himself up. He's like, look, I take this fort from my father. I'm a Greyjoy. And Bran's like, well, when did you, did you hate us from the beginning? And he can't answer. Like, it's such a, like... Mm-hmm. He just scene. walks out. Yeah, like, the scenes he has with them, it's like, there's a betrayal, but there's a sense of, like, disbelief. It's like, are you really doing this? Really? And even kind of in the chaos of the moment, he doesn't really know what to do. Like, yeah, people are insulting him, and he's like, oh, throw him in the dungeon. And then they're like, no, you gotta kill him. And he's like, oh, okay. And he acts like a doofus still the entire time. Like, the scene yeah, where he's just talking with the Asha. Perfect way to, this is the perfect way to describe how he acts. He's just a doofus. Yeah. And his entire plan is really stupid, because he's like, first of all, you're isolated out in the middle of nowhere from the sea. You're just doing this for recognition. Like, what's going to happen when you get surrounded? You think you think the Greyjoys are going to reach you first? Like, it's just such a stupid plan from the beginning. But I think that kind of represents the Greyjoys in general. They're just kind of rash and impulsive. Yeah, and they just, it's generational stupidity. Yep. So I'll talk a little bit about the Riverlands before I end on the wall. So, Tywin, I like how his his frustration with his people, but also, like, the way he interacts with Littlefinger and Arya is interesting. Because with Littlefinger, he's not impressed by anything Littlefinger says. Like, when Littlefinger says, oh, yes, chaos, he's like, oh, yes, be original. Yes, yes, chaos is allowed. Uh, 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 uh." (laughs) Yeah, he's like, oh, I haven't heard that one before, trying to, like, take advantage of a chaotic situation. Yeah, and with our alliance with the Tyrells, I like that he's kind of the first to point out, he's like, you know they are traitors. Like, even he, like, doesn't want to do it at first. I think that's interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. And, like, Arya, I think it's interesting how, like, he forms a relationship with Arya so easily. You can tell the stuff he's telling her is stuff he has never told anyone else. Yeah, like, he just kind of, like, catches himself a few times, like, being like, oh, wow, like, my father. And it's like, I never expected Tywin to open up about that. Yeah. I think it's just, like, it's almost like... There's something about Arya that's like, I don't know, something that just appeals to him, maybe? Just because she's... Yeah, like... I, I think it's because she's smart, she's cunning, and she doesn't take crap from people. Yeah, and he can kind of, like, feel that. Even if like, it's, like, subconsciously. Because all of his kids, like, disappoint him in some way. Like, Jamie is wrong, but he's kind of stupid. Cersei is, like, not as smart as she thinks she is, and Tyrion he just hates because, you know, of prejudice. Yeah, and the he blames him for killing his wife. Yeah. So I thought it's interesting that, like, um, when Arya sees Littlefinger come in, she gets freaked out. She knows who Littlefinger is. And Littlefinger, you can tell he kind of suspects something. But I was thinking, like, okay, Littlefinger's going to recognize her. Then I remembered Littlefinger has never actually seen Arya. Yeah. I, I didn't realize that until, like, thinking about it. I was like, oh, that's true. He's only ever seen Sansa. Yeah, he's only ever seen Sansa. So he probably, like, suspects something just by the way Arya acts, but he doesn't really know who she is. Mm-hmm. So she's she's shrewd, she steals a letter, and then she does her thing. But let's talk a little bit about Rob. So <laughs> when Rob is interacting with Talisa, I thought it was interesting how, like, 
Rob is like instantly tells she's a noble lady and he's instantly like chatting with her and it's very kind of like awkward cutesy. And then Talisa's kind of feeling it too. But when Kat shows up, I think it's interesting. So Kat, like if Kat was like more of like, I guess, less traditional, I feel like she would have told Rob, she's like, well, you know, I mean, every king takes lovers, but you gotta, you know, keep it, you gotta, you gotta stay true and not marry anyone. Yep. Yep. I feel like, yeah, she should have been a little more practical about that. Yeah, but I feel like she's she's kind of more she's more like traditional and like the Starks are more traditional, so she's not gonna yeah, tell, like she's not gonna tell him like oh I want my son to like have a bunch of bastards. Yeah, and like I don't think Rob would ever go for that either. Yeah, and I think part it's partly because like he finds out she's a lady because it's it's implied that Rob has slept with prostitutes because doesn't John say that Rob took him to like yeah yeah that's true. But, like, the fact she's a lady, well, now she's kind of on the same social class as Rob, and he can't dishonor her, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And, you know, I thought his reaction to Theon was interesting, because he, once again, he's very angry, but he's like, I want to look Theon in the eyes and ask him why before I take his head. (laughs) Very much a stark thing to say. Yeah. So let's end on North of the Wall. So we talked a little bit about Halfhand. He's kind of guiding them around. And John still thinks he knows everything, he knows the North, and Halfhand just laughs at him. But when when they're, like, doing the thing where, like, Halfhand kind of leaves them to, like, take care of Egret, you can tell that, like, there's something more going on here. Because that doesn't sound like something Halfhand would do. Like, Halfhand would have killed her himself if he really wanted her dead. Like, you can tell yeah. this is kind of part of their plan. Mm-hmm. And like half hand, half hand's not as cruel as he makes himself out to be. Yeah, yeah. And I'll, I like how um, there's so many great scenes. So when Igrit, she's talking with John, she's like, "Oh, you should burn your dead." And John's like, "No, I'm gonna tie you up. You gotta stay here." And then she instantly can tell that John is, you know, a bit of a goof. So she's like, "Well, you know, we'd be a lot warmer if you snuggled up next to me." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, and then she keeps like wiggling. Yeah, I love when she just gyrating her butt on him. He's like, stop that! Stop that! <laughs> and she's like, oh, I didn't even realize at that time. And he's yeah. just like... I love how Egret instantly reads him. She's like, you're brave, but you're stupid. Yep, yep. You're brave, Jon Snow. But you're also stupid. <laughs> and I, I like how even though like she's north of the wall, she still knows like enough to know the fact that his last name is Snow means he's a bastard under Westeros. Because like obviously free folk don't care about that, but she knows he cares about that. Yeah. But they have they have some fun scenes and they have really good chemistry and we it's kinda it, it's fun to see like John put in these situations because it's something to like test John's resolve. Mm-hmm. Uh, why does God give his strongest battles to his horniest soldiers? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I like how both Rob and John are both kind of dealing with the same thing. They're both like, oh, are we going to, like, betray our honor because we, you know, we got, we were down bad. (laughs) I don't know what I'm supposed to do. (laughs) So, yeah, that was the episode. Uh, What'd you think? I liked it. Um, It definitely was slower paced. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were a lot of interesting conversations and other than like the Florida stuff, I did, I did pretty much enjoy every scene and yeah. like it was like captivated and like there was some, there was some darkness, there was some levity and it was just an overall solid Game of Thrones episode. Yeah. 
I liked it too. I thought it did a good job of like showing like showing the common people like how much they dislike the current thrones, the the current throne. It did a good job of just showing like various interactions, just how people are growing and being tested as characters. Like both of the Stark boys are being tested, and Brett Theon is being tested, and all these characters are like the war is slowly changing them. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of like evolution going on right now. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I like the episode. Um, so what, what are our current rankings? All right. So our current rankings are at the bottom. We have episode two, the Nightlands, then episode three, what is dead may never die. Then episode five, ghost of Harrenhal. Then episode one, the North remembers and episode four, the garden of bones. I would put this right underneath episode one. Yeah. I thought so that would be number, number three. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very much kind of like, it's a mid episode, but in a good way. Mm hmm. So yes, we're still powering through, but we'll we'll take a break because we got some music to review next time. Don't we, don't we Musics, know? we doing EPs. Yeah, we're doing EPs. So stay tuned for that in the Two Dudes Rank Tunes. And thank you for joining us once again. I'm Bradley Cooper, and I am Curtis Cooper. Stay ranking. Rank.